to Comedia del Cinema, the podcast that talks about some of cinema's greatest and most iconic comedies, and right now musicals, and in this case, just one of the great movies. I'm one of your hosts, Jordan Wold. I'm your other host, Emily Walborn. And what on earth are we talking about today? Why, it's just pouring over you. That's right. We're talking about Singing in the Rain today. One of the best musical movies ever made. Indeed. Frankly. When you said it was uh, pouring over me, I was worried. Uh, did I not watch Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs like I was supposed to? Oh, oh right. That's what we're supposed <laughs> to be doing. <laughs> Singing in the Rain, I think now re- regarded as one of the best movies. I, feel. I think so. It's always on the top list of, like, the AFI list, the what, uh, sound and sight and sound. sight and sound list. People are always listing it. There's an influential movie for them. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it's always on every list pretty high up because it's a pretty remarkable movie. Yeah, I I feel like I've never heard of anyone who doesn't like it. Yeah. Which is I think you'd have to be... Uh, you'd have to be... A real Scrooge, I think, to not enjoy it. Or if you just really hate Gene Kelly, or... That's the thing, though, is I think with a lot of these classical, classic Hollywood musicals, like, there there are, are people that are like, ah, oh, I hate musicals. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those classic ones, I think, appeal to everybody because it's something about them being, well, first of all, kind of, in a classic era of mm-hmm. Hollywood that appeals to people. Also, just the dancing is just very athletic and impressive. So I think, like, there's uh, there's a number in here for everybody. It's true. And, I mean, it appeals to just your average movie fan who is mm-hmm. maybe not necessarily in love with a musical. There's mm-hmm. enough of it being a fun showbiz rom-com. Mm-hmm as well it's interesting to consider how i never i don't know if i realized when i first saw this in like in high school how recent the history is that they're covering yeah 1952 the switch to santley was like late 20s so it's around 25 years which is like uh if we were making movies about 1998 right i think that's what works about it too is uh the two writers Mm-hmm. Green and Comden. Who are not a romantic couple. Not a romantic couple. Which Wikipedia makes very clear. They repeat <laughs> it in several sections. Well, yeah, she was married. Yeah. Um, but they uh, they knew that era really well. There's a lot of things that go into them picking that time period for this movie. Mm-hmm. But I think the fact that it's, it is so recent, it's kind of like there's a little bit of nostalgia for that era, which I think helps the comedy of the Mm -hmm. movie and it also like you can kind of feel that nostalgia Mm -hmm. when you're watching it and so it kind of makes it feel like oh that's such a fun time like what a fun era of hollywood because it's like you get the uh it's from the 50s so you kind of get that era of classic musical yeah um feel to it but also it's like oh yeah remembering even further back into like, you know, early, early Hollywood, which a lot of people really enjoy that era, too. Yeah, I, I really like that era. I think it's 
it's just interesting to see. I am on, I I know even even in the fifties when it's set like twenty five years earlier, I'm sure it was felt like a nostalgia play then. Mm -hmm. But I bet for a lot of people in the industry, it was sort of just like a, a rallying like victory cry yeah. of like we this art form is incredibly young right. and it went through an a huge si seismic change that mm -hmm. fundamentally reshaped what movies are and it's 25 years later and we're doing we're doing well and and we're looking back on that yeah, time it and didn't implode on it. yeah well because you get sunset boulevard around the same time mm -hmm. which is looking back on the Two exact years same earlier so oh earlier this comes at singing in the rain comes in uh, a period of of like the gold what is known as like the mm. golden age of musicals mm -hmm. so in in like theater it's really the these the 50s rogers and hammerstein mm -hmm. musicals that bring in what's known as the golden age of of musical theater it's like it's big the numbers are sweeping uh there's a lot of people in the cast they're very huge romantic musicals mm -hmm. and a lot of those then get you know adapted to film um a lot of there's like oklahoma south pacific <clears throat> carousel king and i those are all in the 50s mm -hmm. and then you know, early 60s, you get Sound of Music. Um, yeah. Kind of one of their later ones. And then it sort of falls off by the right. mid-60s because audiences just aren't, aren't as interested, interested for a while. So that darn counterculture. <laughs> well, it's just any genre when it's dominant for yeah. so long. People, we're seeing it with Marvel right now. Right, right. Everyone loved it three years ago. The movies are the same, but it's just... No one's rushing out to see it. Yeah. Um... But then, so, aside from Rogers and Hammerstein stuff, mm -hmm. there's also big ones like Sunset Boulevard, American in Paris, which is the year before, yeah. also starring Gene Kelly. He directed um, that one, yeah. too, right? I with really Stanley Donen as well, or no? Um, he, cho oh. he choreographed oh. it with Gene Kelly, I believe. Oh. Uh, Wizard of Oz in 39, Meet Me in St. Louis in 44. So I like that like, one. We're, all, we're still, like, very much in the... Hollywood musical era mm -hmm. um but it's really I think the culmination of of movies like Singing in the Rain and Rodgers and Hammerstein on Broadway and then those film adaptations that really bring in the I think what we all think of when we think of Holly like old Hollywood musicals mm -hmm. yeah that's a long reign for mm -hmm. that's late 30s through the 60s yeah right that's 20 whole years. Yeah. And now we're, we're in a place where studios are actively hiding that their big holiday movies are musicals. And a straight up Broadway adaptation, they're kind of hiding that it's a musical. I don't, I mean, I think people know that Mean Girls, the Mean Girls coming out is a musical because why else would you be doing it? I, a lot of people do, but I bet more people than you would think just think it's a remake. Okay. Interesting. Which might shock them in January, but... It might. I don't know. Maybe they'll actually release a trip. But Wonka's hiding. Wonka. Color mm -hmm. purple, to an extent. Uh, they, no, they're no, being a little I more... I mean, there's music in the trailer, I believe. 
but not that much. No. But I mean, there's also moments in Wonka where they show people dancing. Dancing, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think implies musical. Remember when it was such a huge, people were like, oh, is, is the Marvels a musical? And, there and everybody is a was sequence. like, oh, there's, it's a musical to musical. Yeah. And people were excited for it. Yeah, it's true. And the musical part of it was really cool. I, yeah, I, I like it. It was like six minutes long. Yeah, it was great. I thought it was funny. Yeah. Um, what else came out in 52? Okay. What are the big, the I, big hitting comedies of 52? I'll tell you. I, I'm sure there are some iconic ones I've seen, but when I was just looking at the list as a whole, <laughs> no not idea. much uh, popped out at me, but I did note some, just some interesting titles. Okay. Okay, one was Bella Lugosi meets a Brooklyn gorilla. <laughs> um, Sci-fi comedy starring Bella Lugosi as himself, I think. Yeah. And then there was a trilogy, all released in the same year, that um, the titles were quite jarring. The first one is My Wife is Being Stupid. <laughs> the sequel is My Wife, My Cow, and Me. And the third one is My Wife's Lodger. Okay, I think the wife is not being stupid. It sounds like this. Well, by the stupid. third one, she's got a lodger. What's that? Like, uh, guest someone who's, like, rent, renting a room or just staying. Okay. So, I don't know. His wife might be stupid and run off with this lodger, but it might be better for her. <laughs> or she's a brilliant businesswoman that's rented a room in their house to make extra money. Mm. The original Airbnb queen. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm not... I'm not really sure what the other big comedies were. I know this was the 10th biggest movie of the year. Yeah. Some of the comedies I saw, I mostly took note of the stars in them. Because we're still a bit in, into the studio system mm -hmm. here. So there's still really star-based movies. Monkey Business with Cary Grant. Road to Bali with Bob Hope and Bing Crosby. You know, that one's not offensive in any way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Don't Bother to Knock with Marilyn, Pat and Mike, um, Catherine Hepburn's in that one, We're Not Married, Fred Allen and Ginger Rogers, uh, Belle of New York, Fred Astaire, so, you know, there's also the Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers movies kind of happening that were popular in dancing. I've never well. seen any of their movies, have you? No, I just know about them, but. I'd watch them. Hey, let's pop some on. Let's do, pop some on right now. Um, it's it's interesting that this movie is both like iconic for being a pure movie musical. Mm -hmm. It wasn't based on a pre-existing show, but it also is still kind of IP because it was based around a catalog of music. Right. right. Yeah, that, that's what's kind of interesting about it. So Arthur Freed was ahead of the Freed unit, quote-unquote, mm -hmm. at MGM. Pretty much just in charge of the musicals at MGM. Um, he had a backlog of songs he wrote with some guy named Brown. And yeah. they, had, they had a bunch of music from around the... From the 30s. Yeah, yeah. so from the, this transition area, era from silent to talkies mm -hmm. um got in touch with comden and green to write 
the storyline for this movie. Yeah, they had a weird thing, their <laughs> agent, though, where they were, they wanted to write all the lyrics to the songs, mm-hmm. and their agent had said that they could unless the music was by Cole Porter, Irving Berlin, or Rodgers and Hammerstein. Mm-hmm. And then they lost, they either lost or fired that agent. And their new agent, Irving Swifty Lazar, <laughs> um, told them that their their previous agent had made that up entirely. <laughs> yeah. And they couldn't write the lyrics at all. And that they had to get started on working <laughs> on the script. Which they did? Yeah. So Condon and Green are famous duo mm-hmm. of writing duo, especially musical duo mm-hmm. um, of the time. A lot of scripts. A lot of scripts, yeah. but also like specifically Broadway stuff. Mm. Um, On the Town is probably their most famous musical that people nowadays might still know about. Yeah. So that that one was also turned into a movie. They had another show, um, Wonderful Town, Love huh. Towns, yeah. which won some Tonys. Mm-hmm. So they're a pretty established musical theater duo. The Goats. Um, they, they very smartly realized that they could use the, the fact that it's basically a movie built around package songs mm-hmm. as in a, to their advantage by making it obviously set during the period in which the songs were made, which was during that transition. And they knew a lot about the era. Mm-hmm. Um, they lived it, I assume. They lived it. Um, they wanted to get it to Gene Kelly, but he was making an American in Paris, so he was like, no. And yeah. then when he finished, he read it, decided to make it. He did? That he did. With his co-choreographer. Who, yeah, who's credited as a co-director as well on this one. And I think that's fair because, I mean, so much of this movie is the, is the choreography. Yeah, well, and I mean, Stanley Donan is a big big name he directed a lot of movies himself too yeah um so i did you know at all about the uh, there are a couple of places where in a very meta twist debbie reynolds is her um the actor and singer betty noise is dubbing her no you didn't read about in, no, I didn't hear about this. In two songs, yeah. um, it's Betty Noyes and not Debbie Reynolds. And in those in those same scenes, apparently they have her do the dubbing for the dialogue. Really? As well, just for those scenes. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. But also Debbie Reynolds does some ironic. singing. Yeah. So, a bit odd. Maybe she was just busy with rehearsals or, you know, something. Or, or it didn't sound... Right, if she was dancing so much or something. Yeah, who knows? It's odd. Um, We've talked a little bit about the era in which this film takes place, but what, pray tell, is the story? The story is about uh, Don... Don Lockwood? Don Lockwood and Lena Lamont are a a famous uh, silent film duo uh, known for their sweeping romance movies um but as new technology comes out for turning these silent pictures into 
talkie pictures, uh, they realize that nobody's going to want to watch their movies because Lena Lamont has one of the worst, most grating voices in Hollywood. <laughs> Uh, they also run into a lot of problems in turning their cheesy, silent romance movies into uh, palatable, impressive dramas mm -hmm. because all the dialogue is a bit cheesy and the way that they're acting them is overacted so that it, cause it works in silent movies but mm -hmm. not in talkies. Uh, Don's friend, Cosmo, yeah. who uh, plays a lot of the the mood music on set suggests that they turn their movie into a musical um, and use Debbie Reynolds' voice to dub Lena's, Lena's voice. Uh, Don and, and Debbie Reynolds' character have a, a romance throughout this very good uh, meeting sequence that they have, neat, cute sequence. Um, they fall in love pretty fast. <laughs> mm -hmm. After being <laughs> a couple of mortal enemies initially. Um, and the new movie, the new musical, is a smash hit. Uh, Lena tries to force Debbie Reynolds to always be her dub, um, but Don and Cosmo and the producer guy. <laughs> make up this plot and they reveal that it's really Debbie Reynolds behind the curtain for voicing for Lena. And the whole audience just laughs and laughs at Lena, but cheers <laughs> at cheers Debbie Reynolds on. That part feels a little cruel this time. I know she's yeah. bad, but I a little bit I'm, I do feel bad for her. Yeah. She she can't really help her her voice is just like that. No, but she does some pretty conniving things in yeah. act well, that for forces their hand to humiliate her. Well, when you're a star, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. She's very famous. Yeah. So. Oh, I, I don't know this. If you can believe it, the first time I ever heard "Make Him Laugh," mm -hmm. and and so I always think of it during that, and I'm kind of annoyed about it. Is when Joseph Gordon Levitt. Levitt. I, I knew you were gonna <laughs> yeah. say this for his SNL monologue. Yeah, and I remember. It's good. He did a good job. It's good, but I remember not knowing what it was, yeah. and being like, "What the hell is this?" Because yeah. <laughs> I remember he was good, and I was like, "Wow, yeah, that was really impressively put together." But this does not feel like an SNL song, <laughs> because I've been familiar yeah. with their parody songs, right. and it did not. There wasn't yeah. modern jokes. and I feel like that's a lot of our generation's exposure to singing and right. What I do think is interesting is how uh, how much of staying power Gene Kelly's choreography has had for, you know, 70, 70 years. years. Yeah. I feel like uh, Make Them Laugh, Singing in the Rain, Good Morning always have the same choreography when I see them yeah. with very little variation, but they always have the same famous choreography pieces to them, whether it's like a local production I've seen, professional mm -hmm. productions, Joseph Gordon-Levitt on <laughs> SNL, uh, what's his name? Schuster and Mike oh, Chang yeah. on Glee. You know, it's oh, like they all... Name a more iconic duo. <laughs> than Schuster and Mike Chang. Yeah. It's like it, the especially make them laugh always has really specific iconic mm -hmm. the iconic 
running up the wall, jumping through the wall, running in a circle on the ground. You know, it's like there there are moments in all of the songs that I just are like, oh, those are iconic mm. film moments. Yeah, I, I mean, it extends to their control over the camera is just, yeah. it's crazy how how modern the movie feels mm-hmm. in ju- just in terms of it has the charm of being an old, you know, quote unquote mm-hmm. movie, but the pacing is so, it's so fast. It's so fast because every single song, there's only like really one slow song in yeah. the movie because even the, uh, the final song in the, in the, the actual movie, Broadway melody the, one. Do you? Or, do oh, you? Yeah. That song is actually pretty. It's like, you know, moderate tempo. It's not like a slow, slow romance song. Yeah. It's really the only, the only slow one is between Gene Kelly and Debbie Reynolds in the soundstage. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's remarkable to me that it, um, it was beloved when it came out, and mm-hmm. top ten highest grossing movie of the year is is really good like let me see what's at the what's number 10 right now from this year because i'm curious what the equivalent would be okay taylor swift there (laughs) tour that's Uh, pretty popular a lot of people saw that yeah but the i don't know what was up for the oscars that year but i was shocked to see two nominations for score and supporting actress for For yeah for uh gene hagen yeah as as Lena Lamont, which that's a great comedy performance. I'm glad to that recognize. they recognize that. It's, that rocks. It's rare they recognize like a straight up comedic performance like that. Mm-hmm. But no, okay, and I I think Debbie Reynolds is very good, but I, I can understand not nominating her potentially. But Gene Kelly, but Gene Kelly or um, Donald O'Connor in yeah. supporting, and he won the Golden Globe, but for supporting know. or actor yeah, in a comedy. Sure. Oh. sure. Best actor in a comedy, oh. so you know it's a Golden Globe, which is lovely, sure, but it's no Oscar. <laughs> At the time, though, <laughs> the Globes were a little bit more buzzy because that was early. Yeah. One thing I want to talk about in terms of pure comedy for this movie, mm-hmm. it is like the king of the undercut. Like every single, yeah. every single, like all of the biggest jokes in this movie are undercuts which is really impressive, the variation they have for them Mm -hmm. and how smoothly they do it, especially in the, if you, like, look just at when Gene Kelly and Debbie Reynolds meet, it's, like, rapid back and forth, undercutting each other. Mm -hmm. It's, like, he's this big movie star. She knows he's puffing up his chest. She goes, oh, I think I've maybe seen one of your movies once undercut him Mm -hmm. and then she has the upper hand towards the end of their meeting Mm -hmm. and then he what does he do he like because she kind of has the upper hand and then when he gets out of the car he he makes some comment to her about like oh you're a shakespeare actor and he makes something that kind of undercuts her but Mm -hmm. then immediately after his his coat gets stuck in the car Mm -hmm. and and then like it's just like she's in the and then she's in the party, and in then the she's party. in the in the cake, and that's yeah. another undercut from when she just had the upper hand because his yeah. coat got stuck in the car. Like it's yeah. it's just rapid back and forth. Lena being this gorgeous, 
uh, actress who everybody is in love with and fans are going crazy for, mm-hmm. and then you immediately undercut that by her her crazy voice that yeah. she has. Yeah, it's very brilliant. Um, yeah, like not only the the music, the choreography, the direction, but the actual comedy from beat to beat in the movie is really well done and executed. Yeah, well, and I think it always works better, especially for an original movie musical when it's difficult that the songs weren't written directly for the movie, but the Mm -hmm. screenplay is just so smart Mm -hmm. that it all feels of a piece. Right. And uh, you're not waiting to get to the next number, even though it'll be great when it comes, because it's almost like Billy Wilder level. dialogue and character stuff yeah and the plot is so fun and kind of convoluted Mm -hmm. that it's like what's also really funny is cosmo this guy that everybody's like oh he just plays the music has these brilliant ideas on how to fix all of their picture problems Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and then we get that amazing sequence the broadway melody sequence and then of course that that gorgeous like 15 minute sequence that Dan or that Gene Kelly put together mm-hmm. immediately undercut by the producer going ah I think I need I don't really get it I think I need <laughs> to see it like it's just yeah. like so good from moment to mm-hmm. moment yeah it's so so many movies have tried to capture mm-hmm. the vibe of this and I don't think anything has ever really no. succeeded La La Land tries really hard. It's definitely, that's definitely the modern day attempt at a singing in America. But they, they could have gotten much closer to that had they had uh, more songs. There weren't yeah. that many. And yes. then, and the story and dialogue were not on the level of this movie. So you were yeah. wondering, okay, I was told this was a Hollywood musical. They sing like four times. And the problem I have with La La Land, and the problem I have with a lot of modern musical adaptations, is they rarely cast people that can actually, like, really, really sing. Mm-hmm. I I like Emma Stone and mm-hmm. other things. I really like Ryan Gosling and most things. Mm-hmm. They're both not Gene Kelly-level singer and dancer. No. I mean, and... They're fine, but, but even among um, just Hollywood stars, you could find people better. Right. Even if you don't want people from the stage. Right. And there's also, I think, like, uh, I don't know, the even, like, the ensemble cast in La La Land didn't feel as strong. Yeah. You know, like... As... You got Tree from Happy Death Day <laughs> as one of the friends. Huh? <laughs> it's, I don't know, there's, I think they're, while, you know, no one should probably be as mean as Gene Kelly was directing this yeah. movie. Notoriously lovely man. Easy to work with. Yeah, didn't work Debbie Reynolds until her feet started to bleed in good morning. I I mean, but it is like that level of technical execution Uh for choreography, I don't think really exists in anything right now. No. Because like as fun as the other movie musicals we've been talking about are, what have we done? Eurovision doesn't really have a lot of choreographed dancing. Well, and to School it. of Rock, it's all diegetic. They're yeah. not really. Same with Eurovision, yeah. it's diegetic. 
Mostly. Mostly. <laughs> there are some flourishes where I'm not sure. It is quite... I don't know. I mean, even the one at the party they sing. Yes, at the but, but Volcano Man, there are a couple of moments there no, where it's they, like full they're, music. They're yeah. saying, well, that's their vision for it, but they're singing in their garage. Oh, they're true. Practicing true. Garage. But I mean, that still, you know, leaves reality a little bit, yes, even if it's yeah, a fantasy. Yeah. But uh, well, but so does Singing Man. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I don't know. There's not really. Uh, I, I I haven't really seen. Uh, I mean, maybe West Side Story, I haven't oh, had the yeah. good fortune of saying that, <laughs> yeah. thanks to Mr. Elgort. But I, I would imagine there's some really good technical yeah. dancing in that movie. I would love to see it someday. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he, I mean, is he, is his career dead or not? I don't know. I think he's maybe on Tokyo Vice. Doing <laughs> what? Playing the token white guy. Oh, it's a show? It's a, um, Michael Mann produced sequel to Miami Vice. Tokyo Vice. I believe written, co-written, directed by Dustin Daniel Cretton, the short-term 12 Shang-Chi guy. But, yeah, I don't know. I think there's a lot of movies that try to be singing in the rain, but few have all, like, all five perfect (laughs) ingredients of direction, Mm -hmm. dancing, songs singing dialogue comedy like it, it there's so much working in this movie mm-hmm. that it's really hard to replicate it's true and even aside from la la land in a totally different way damien chazelle tries again with babylon and that mm. to imitate more yeah. the hollywood side yeah. of this and some literal scenes like when brad pitt sees his character like getting laughed at um, the scene is basically f- what they initially film, right? With the, I love you, I love you. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, kind of. I think it's the same dialogue. Yeah. That, that movie is a little closer, I think, in terms of being, like, for the 50s, and even for all the romanticization, this Singing in the Rain does present Hollywood as a little bit more complicated than yeah. movies up to that point. And tries yeah. to be like, it's a tough town, but right. we make such yeah. magical works of art. And that is what Babylon tries to do over the course of three hours <laughs> as well. Yeah, but what Babylon, I think, gets to in its three hours, <laughs> I think Singing in the Rain kind of does in the two minutes that Gene Kelly is talking to the reporter and is like, oh, uh, we went to the highest conservatory, you know, and we're yeah. contrasting it with them being like, these low-level guys mm-hmm. that got a lucky break, and but yeah. they're spinning this tale, mm-hmm. which is a lot of what Babylon is. But yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I do want to watch that again, though. Yeah, but it is funny that like mm-hmm. they are able to kind of do that in a, like two minutes. Right, it's period. the exact same idea. <laughs> but it's got it's the same idea that they yeah. do over three hours. Yeah, it's such a shock at the end of this movie when um, the three of them sit down. In a movie theater and they, see, <laughs> and they watch Avatar. They see clips of wait, Babylon? <laughs> An Avatar? Avatar? Like, I, feel, I feel like oh, well, Singing two, in the Rain is one is of the clips. 2001 is, yeah. is there, so, I mean Babylon is the, or Avatar is the weirdest one. 
It's too weird. But you've also got the train coming in. Yeah. Which is kind of stupid. I think it's too it's too much of a jump to see all the blue people. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, The Matrix. Some yeah. of... Some of them are like, well, yes, that's a great movie, and I get it, but it's like, we're still too close to look yeah. back on that as a breakthrough. Yeah. Totally. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's kind of funny, because I think, you know, it's it's blending, Babylon really does then kind of blend our reality with this, you know, more distance fictional reality that mm-hmm. they've created, whereas... There's only really one mention in Singing the Rain to our reality, which is the jazz singer. Yeah, that's true. Everything else everything is pretty... Everything else is, like, created the... The, uh-huh. the studio is a different... You know, it's mm-hmm. a made-up studio, made-up stars, made-up picture. That's what they do in Babylon, too. Yeah. Except the only Except... real person is Irving Thalberg. Right. I think. And then... Everyone, but then I think the... Everyone else is, uh, has obvious ones. But I think ones, when but... then they break it and show us a bunch of our movies that yeah. we know, it's right. a little yeah. bit weird. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, because then we're supposed to imagine, like... Well, was a what, 90-year-old Nellie Leroy... <laughs> yeah. Did she play Navi in Avatar? If right. she's... And Brad Pitt never existed in they, this universe? They, right. So it's a universe where we have the Matrix and Avatar, but no Brad Pitt. Doesn't really make sense. Yeah, no hacks. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> hacks is instrumental to Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. What, what? Anything else to say about Singing in the Rain? Uh, truly Favorite remarkable. Favorite Favorite. I mean, I know it's obvious, but Singing in the Rain is yeah. my favorite. And then Good Morning is my second. I I like. Yeah. I do love that for its placement in the story yeah. more. Um, I just love when they're always roasting each other. Mm-hmm. I think that's like that's such a fun thing that it like immediately makes you think like, yeah, Cosmo and Don are old buds because mm-hmm. Cosmo's always roasting Don. And yeah. then when when she joins in, that's always fun too. Mm-hmm. I always think they're going to have some sort of love triangle, but Cosmo stays firmly out of it. <laughs> no, he's good. I Yeah, I kind of like, what do you think about their love story? Because it is pretty short. It's like, <laughs> they meet, they don't see each other for two weeks, yeah. they meet again, they're in love. There's not much to it, but I like it. I think that I think it works, though, because then the rest of the story is like, how can he help her become the star mm. that she is? Yeah. You know, and I think that's really nice. I agree. They, it feels a little jarring when they shift completely mm-hmm. because it's not like they still really have that tension, which mm-hmm. in a lot of movie couples, they still would. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it works anyway. I think it works for something like this and from this era mm-hmm. where it's oftentimes, I feel like, external conflicts more so mm-hmm. that are the issue rather than there their relationship conflicts True. especially in a lot of like rogers and hammerstein mm-hmm. musicals that tends to be more of like environmental conflicts yeah that makes sense they're, they're not digging in deep into the human psyche necessarily necessarily but it's relationships. like you kind of know it's i don't know with this era of musical it's like you know they're gonna be together forever and it's just a matter of like when mm-hmm. that's gonna happen so 
the earlier you can get that done, then the more room you have for other things to kind of come between right. them. Yeah, that's true. Like when she thought Don sold her out and said that she'd have to be the voice for Lena, yeah. you know, for the rest of her contract. That's just a classic rom-com misunderstanding. Thankfully, they resolve it about 30 <laughs> seconds later. Yeah. But... Which a lot more rom-coms should do. Mm-hmm. That'd be funny. Uh, just to, because I know you were having kind of a stressful day the day we watched it, yeah. but it always, well, no matter what kind of day you're having, mm-hmm. you put it on, and it just makes you feel good. It really does. And it looks I have amazing in max on 4K. I, I would love to, to see a film print. Yes, well, we've had several opportunities at the NewBev, so we yeah. should go next time they do it. It's, I think that there's, it's just banger after banger song. Mm-hmm. The The plot is so fun. The romance is amazing. And so hard. It's like that kind of romance that's just like, oh, that's just so, like, fills your heart up. Mm-hmm. Kind of huge romance in movies that you love. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's really... One of the best. Did we ever see a live production together? No. Okay. I've never seen a live production. That's pretty fun when they actually have the water on the stage. It's pretty cool. But not if it goes wrong. I remember when they did it at my in my hometown. First row was Splash Song, <laughs> and they told people it's Splash Song. That'd yeah. be fun. <laughs> yeah. It's like Waterworld. I kind of. And then I saw a produ- professional production in Seattle, which was amazing. And I'd love to see some more. It's great. It's a great musical. It's very close to the movie. Oh. I think it's one of those rare, well, I guess used to be more rare for a movie to then get a musical adaptation. Now that's kind of all there is. It's all their age. It's it's the freaking IP Delano going, Mm -hmm. bleeding right into Broadway, which is very frustrating. Because we have things like National Lampoon's Tourism Musical or whatever the hell they're doing. The Griswold Family Tourism Musical. I can see why they'd make that, sadly. Yeah. Back to the Future doing quite well on Broadway. Devil Wears Prada heading to London. Mm -hmm. Mean Girls. Mm -hmm. Tar the Musical. (laughs) I always watch Tar the Musical. (laughs) Yeah, countless. Way of the world. Fablemans would be a good musical. Would be. You bet that almost famous one is Venus. Not oh. bad. Mm. Um, pretty Women. Uh, pretty. Nine, nine to well, Pretty Woman. Oh, pretty. <laughs> nine to five. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of pretty ladies. <laughs> There's two. <laughs> nine to five. Mm. Waitress. Shrek. Waitress Shrek. <laughs> yep. Shrekters. <laughs> Shrekters. <laughs> okay, well, what are we doing next? Have we decided? Yes. Have we decided on yes, the series? Because yes, because ne- next week we're having our, our famous oh, guest yes. back for his favorite musical. We've wrangled him back. We're doing Hairspray. So come on down to Baltimore in the 1960s. You won't be disappointed. <laughs> we'll see you then. Bye.